looking at Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to read for you. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, there came unto the Lord by Haggai the prophet of Zebulal, the son of Sheatal, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying this, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people, the time is not come, they say, to, that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you to dwell in your own houses, and this house lie in waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put into it a bag of holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and lo, when it came, it was little. And when you brought it home, I blew upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because mine house that is waste and ye, every man of you runs into his own house. Therefore, heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I have called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, upon cattle, and upon all the labor of your hands. Let us pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, as we were singing that song, All I Have is Christ, I learned of another prayer report, Lord. Another request, Lord, of you. For a neighbor of our brother Ray, Lord. A Miss Mary Hess. Lord, who is sick and appears to be battling this virus. Lord, as this brother has asked, I'm going to pray a special prayer for her this morning. Lord, a prayer of peace and of healing. Lord, and I think it goes well with our text today. Lord, that even when there is an issue, even when there is error, even when there is problems, even when there is viruses, Lord, you are the one who comes down from heaven and speaks. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to this lady now. Lord, give her healing and peace today. Lord, but more importantly than the body, Lord, if her soul not be right with you as I don't know her, Lord, I pray, Lord, that that's the work you would do. Lord, as we examine what it means now to let your house lie in waste, and build on our own houses. Lord, forgive us. Lord, what should we be concerned about? The eternal kingdom of God or my own place in this physical world? Lord, forgive us when we stray too far into that ladder, when we spend so much time worried about these physical things, the things that are going to fade away into dust, the things that you said you will burn up. Lord, burn up like stubble. Lord, I pray today you would communicate this text clearly, you would bring it to our hearts and our ears, Lord, and you would not let it leave our minds. I thank you, Lord, and I know that you are speaking through your word, Lord, and it is my joy to be a part of your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. The people in uh, Israel have an issue that they have uh, let happen to themselves over time. In Nehemiah, the great book that Pastor Robin has gone through uh, uh, in one of the best ways, I think, about the building of the wall, the Israelites finished the wall and they hung the gates, but the temple of the Lord that the Babylonians destroyed was not yet rebuilt. And it remained there in ruins. The people began to build on their own houses. 
They begin to take care of their own wants and needs. They left the temple of God to lie in waste in their presence while they worked on their own dwellings. Now to put that into perspective, that would be like a hurricane coming and dropping something giant or heavy or destroying our sanctuary and it lying in ruins. And that would be like all of us of the church going back and instead of focusing and donating and tithing extra and doing whatever we had to do to put our building back in order, to restore the place for Joppa to worship, we left it lie in ruins. Now I'm thankful to this church because I was here the Sunday night when two misguided young men sought to destroy our place and took fire extinguishers and ran through the building, spreading it everywhere. That was the highest attended Sunday night I believe Joppa had ever had. When the word kept spreading out that the church, something had happened and that we needed help cleaning, more people showed up, other churches were showing up, we had to go buy more pizza to feed everybody. I'm so thankful for this place because we've already had that happen. But can you imagine? Can you imagine leaving the sanctuary in that state of disrepair? Even worse than that, if it had caught fire and was engulfed in flames and it burned to the ground, and we just said, oh, oh well. We'll just have to go, we'll just have to do on. And instead of focusing on the Lord's house, His temple, His sanctuary, we go and work on our own things. We struggle and toil and do for ourselves. How much more precious in the Old Testament was the temple of God that God said was the only place that worship could take place, the only place the sacrifice was available, the only place that the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant would dwell. And it was destroyed and was lying in ruins, lying in dust, lying in ashes from the Babylonians who had sought to wipe out the presence of God in Israel. Now they could not, for it was not God's plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I have a plan for you. I will send you back. They go back. Nehemiah leads them back. They hear the word of the Lord from Ezra. They rebuild the wall, but they stop. They stop because it had become routine. They stopped because it had become boring. It had become the same old, same old. And eventually everyone decided, you know what, I'm just going to work on my house. I'm going to do my stuff. I'm going to focus on me instead of God's temple, instead of what the Lord has said. And he comes to the people. The Lord comes to Haggai and says, consider your ways. Consider what you have done. Consider what is wrong with you. My house lies in ruins. And you build your own houses. My temple is destroyed. But you focus on yourselves. You say the time has not come to build God's temple and make every excuse under the sun. But the word of the Lord has come now to correct. Now God could have come harshly. He could have brought down fire. He could have destroyed every house that was built before his house was built. But he doesn't. In the same way with our salvation, he sends a prophet, a man, to speak to the people, to return them away from their wicked ways and away from their sin into the building of God's house. Consider your ways. Consider what you have done. Verse 7, the Lord said, Go, verse 8, to the mountain, bring wood, and I will take pleasure, and I will be glorified when you build my house, when you focus on my will, not yours alone. Look at verse 9. You looked for much Yet it came to little. And when you brought something home, I blew and it was wiped away. 
God says, I have withheld my blessings from you. I have withheld the things that you worked for, the very things that you wanted, new wine, grapes, oil. You wanted cattle. You wanted labor. You wanted all these things, Bill. I have withheld them. I have said no because my house lies in ruins so you will not build and you will not glorify yourselves until I am glorified. And this, even this, is a gentle rebuke to the people, a gentle correction. He brings a drought to them in verse 11. The mountains don't give water. The, 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 the soil just turns to dust. They're not getting what they need. And God, instead of leaving them in that place, leaving them in dust, leaving them in ashes, has brought them to a place now where they can build the temple, they can restore worship, they can restore the presence of God in their midst, they can have God come down once again from heaven and dwell upon the Holy of Holies and be their source of worship. And look at verse 12. Work is started on the house of the Lord. Now Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord. Is there anything better than obeying the voice of the Lord? No. Because it's the voice of the Lord that provides physical comfort and, and, and fruitfulness and, and the fulfillment of hope. But it is the voice of the Lord that brings that which is more important, the spiritual completion of our souls. The spiritual immaturity and rising of what we need to, to grow from being a little child before God into being fully grown. Verse 12, they begin the work because they've obeyed the voice of their Lord and the words of Haggai the prophet. They heard the word of God and it changed their behavior. This is what's important about preaching. Is if you only hear preaching and it does not alter you, if it does not conform you, if it doesn't take you and change you in some way, then you have not heard either true preaching because they were not preaching the word of God or you were not listening. Because the word of God always changes. What did God say? It never returns void, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, which means when it swings out, it cuts. There is never a time when it will not cut. There is never a time when it will not alter or destroy or correct or bring back. The word of God always changes. You simply haven't interacted with it, or you rejected it from your ears. They heard the words of Haggai the prophet. The Lord their God had sent them, and the people did fear before the Lord. And then verse 13, which we are going to return to after we go to some other text. This is the verse that cut me this week. This is the verse that then took that wound and stitched it up so expertly that I was better than I was before. Verse 13, then spoke Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying to them, I am with you. I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you. Let's turn to just a few other places and get some perspective this morning on this idea of a temple. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. And as those words, I am with you, hopefully are ringing in your ears, let us understand how that the Lord is with us today. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. No matter your views of eschatology, the chapter 21 is maybe the most sweetest in Revelation. But the Lord declares in verse 3 to his people, John says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, 
the dwelling place of God is with men. And He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them. And they be with God. And He will be their God. God Himself shall come down from heaven. He's already brought down the new heaven and the new earth. His presence now no longer separated by a gulf of sin, a gulf of physical flesh trying to touch eternity, no longer separated. God has brought Himself to a place where humans could not get to. We could never get to Him. So He brings Himself down. The way He used to descend onto the Ark of the Covenant, He now descends onto the Ark of each Christian's heart, the Holy of Holies that He has now made in the New Covenant, where Christ resells, God lowers Himself upon it, and says, now I will be with you forever. I will worship with you forever. He shall, they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It's the final removal of every false idol, every false God that we so pay attention to and we're so concerned about. He removes them all and brings himself down and says, I will be with you. God has lowered himself and brought you where you could not get to, the Holy of Holies, His throne room in the kingdom of heaven, that spiritual dwelling place where God is worshipped and nothing else happens. Nothing. Nothing ever breaks. Nothing ever breaks down. There's no tears. There's no sorrow. There's never any sin. There's no issue. There's not even any darkness. And there isn't even a physical sun because God Himself is the light. He is with us. He is with us. Now, let's understand this new temple. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This new temple that is coming down that God has built with inside each one of us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle declares in verses 16 and 17 about this new temple. It's interesting that the second temple destroyed after one generation, just as Jesus promised in Matthew, that these things will not take place until this, this generation. This generation will stand until. And that temple is destroyed by the Romans. Titus comes in and burns the temple. The gold leaks in between the, the, the lines of the stone, and he sends Roman soldiers in after the melted gold to get it out, trying to scrape out every presence of God in Israel. See what the enemy does? And see, the enemy succeeds at times in destroying physical things, the Israelites have watched their temple be destroyed twice. And they've had no temple since then. In fact, Judaism today is not Ju the Judaism of the Old Testament. They have no ark. They have no holy of holies. They have no dwelling place. They have no temple. There's no curtain. There's nowhere to offer sacrifices. In fact, I heard a rabbi say that because of the temple's second destruction, a system of prayers was developed so that people could offer sins to God as, as terms of a kind of metaphorical sacrifice. The Jews have not been truly Old Testament since 70 A.D. when their temple was destroyed and there has no temple been since. Except, except, like Ephesians 2 says, but God, except a temple dwelling in the hearts of every believer, 1 Corinthians 3.16, know ye not that you are the temple of God? What was wiped out? In 536, what was wiped out in 70 AD, what was wiped out and man thought was destroyed, God has now placed inside of you a holy of holies in you. 
where he can come and dwell. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You are this new temple. You have the new Holy of Holies. There is a curtain separating the Spirit of God dwelling in your heart from your flesh. Now consider this, church. When Jesus died, that curtain split from top to bottom, right? The Holy of Holies ripped open. When's the next time, for the final time, that curtain inside of your heart's going to be ripped when the old flesh from you is stripped away? When you get that new heavenly body, when you, as Paul said, meet the Lord in the air, that curtain's going to rip once more. And that flesh will never be able to inflict pain upon you again, never able to tempt you again, never able to drag you down into the mud of sin ever again. Verse 17, if any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Now let's break this down just a little bit. Yes, there are wicked people that try to defile God's place, His temple, His people. God is going to destroy them. And I, and I think this is important, especially when I work with students, that there is no one in hell, the Bible says, who truly wanted to repent, wanted the salvation of Jesus Christ, and wanted to be with God. There's nobody in there who went, oh, I just didn't understand. Or I didn't know, because Romans 1 says they do know, and they're without excuse. The ones in hell are there because they hate God even then. And there's nowhere in Scripture, nowhere, where somebody depicted in hell goes, Oh, I so want God. I so wish that I had turned to God. I so wish that I had repented. Not once. Even the rich man in Lazarus, when he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, and he is burning, what does he say? Warn my brothers because he cares more about his own family than he does about God, and bring me just one drop of water for my tongue, because I still care more about my own comfort than I care about God's forgiveness. There's nobody there who wants God. That's why Jesus can say, I have not, I've lost none that the Father has brought to me. All who come to me, I will not cast out anyone if they come to me truly. This is such a sweet promise of God. So, who's the other man that God has to destroy? that he's going to destroy in Revelation, that at the final judgment, when he separates the sheep from the goats, even the sheep still have something that must be destroyed, the flesh. And this is why Jesus is going to remove it, and he's going to separate his people out, and he's going to remove the flesh from them. He's going to throw up the wheat, and the tares are going to be wiped away. He's going to give them new heavenly bodies, born of spirit and not of flesh, from God, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple? The temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? This is why the Christian life, salvation is not easy. But it is simple. That's what Jesus said. Don't let anybody rob you of my simplicity. What is not simple is sanctification. This lifelong journey of getting closer to God, of growing in holiness, of seeing the flesh wiped away. Paul understood this in Romans 7 when he said, I don't do the things I should do. And instead, I do the things I don't do. Now, that's not just a license to sin and say, oh, well, you know, Paul did, so I guess I'll do it too. It's not a free, a free license to do what you want. Paul is comforting you because when you read 1 John and you say, if anyone still sins, they don't have the Father. And you go, how do I understand that? Because I'm a Christian, yet I've still sinned. How can I understand this? Well, Paul gives you the comfort that, yes, you will still sin because you still have this wicked body. You still have this body of flesh. You still have this person who wants to do their own will instead of God's will. That's what God's going to remove. That's what God is going to destroy. You can almost think about your heart 
as the temple in 70 AD, and your flesh is the Roman army surrounding it, seeking to destroy. Seeking to destroy. Now, there might be a lot of suffering in that battle in the days to come. In your life, however long it is, and I pray that it be long, however long it is, there's going to be a lot of suffering because the enemy is with you all the time. It's, it's what I like to joke about. I, I see the guy every morning in my bathroom mirror. I go, there he is. You're the guy that's ruining my life. I've told you about this before. But every morning, he's back there again. That's the one. It's not somebody else's fault. It's really not. And remember, Satan is restricted to temptation. Satan had to go ask permission from God to even hurt Job. And uh, I, this is one of my most famous moments in preaching life. Ed Lacey quoted me when I said this, okay? So I'm really, I'm really excited about this. I said to Ed one day at lunch that I said, I, God, Satan didn't sneak into heaven like the Grinch to mess up God's plans. God jerked the leash and said, get before me, and I will be with my servant Job and use you as an instrument of my will. I love that image. I love the image of Satan truly where he should be, downcast and belittled before the presence of God, because that's what he is. That's what he is. You have far more to fear from the one in your mirror than you do Satan. Because Satan brings the temptations. He, he tempts you. He seeks to devour you. But what does he do? He tempts your flesh to sin. And what is God going to judge? What did God say he was going to judge? When he brings you to heaven and says he's going to judge everyone for what they did, good or bad, it does not say he's going to judge them for what Satan tricked them into. He said, I'm going to judge you for what you have done. And Christians stand there and say, Lord, I have no judgment that will get me out of this. I have nothing I can offer you except to say, in my heart is your son. And when God looks at you and looks into your soul and sees his son, that's the good and faithful servant that he says, well done. That's the one that God says, well done. And you get to go to. Because Jesus called you brother and called you sister. And said, we are now family. We're going together. Everybody get on the bus. <laughs> the Lord is calling us home. You are the temple of God. So which temple will you be? Are you going to work on God's temple, your heart? Are you going to focus on building what God desires? The good things that we know God said in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, the, the, the attributes of Ephesians, of, of wives and husbands and children? Or are we going to build our own houses? That would be the flesh. Am I going to build myself up? Am I going to talk about how I got a bunch of people saved and I did all these great sermons and I did all these great ministries and I've been doing this for 10 years and I've been doing all this great stuff? Where's God? Where's God? God is in his rightful place on his throne. And when I, in boasting, say, I did all this, I speak gibberish into the air. It's nothing. It's stubble. It's going to be burnt up. It's filthy rags. It's nothing. What God has done is something. What God has done is build the temple. What God has done is restore this wicked heart that was full of liars and thieves and wickedness. And he drove them all out and put himself there and declared this temple is now a temple that worships God. See, the, the banner changed. The sign changed. Everyone who used to come in goes, oh, wait, we can't come in here anymore. 
This place is now about the Lord, as it should be. Let's look at verse 18. I, I, I didn't plan to do it, but I think it's going to be good. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 3. Let no one deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or all things present or things to come are all yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. It truly does not matter what you accomplish in this world what you do in this physical life, and you can do a lot of great things, and you can help a lot of great people, and you can do a lot for charity or give money or, or build great buildings or do whatever. But if the kingdom of God is neglected by you, then all of your work will be wiped away. It is only the spiritual work of God's kingdom that will stand, for all other kingdoms are going to disappear except the kingdom of our Lord. Let's look at another text, Acts chapter 3. So we now understand from Corinthians that we are now this temple, that no physical temple will be built once again. They may build false ones to declare themselves something, but we know God's going to build a spiritual temple. and is doing so now in the hearts of his people. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 17. The scripture says, And now, brethren, I would that through ignorance you did things as you did also your own rulers. But those things which God had before showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, and so hath he suffered. So verse 19, repent. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send to you Christ Jesus, who was preached by us unto you. This is for those of us in here today who may not yet have that, under, that relationship with Christ or the understanding of what it means to have a temple. And if there's no one in here today, if we're all believers today, amen. So take this message then and share it with those you know who have openly declared to you that they do not yet believe. They've never repented. They're not one of God's people. This is what they need. Repent. Acts 3.19. Repent and therefore be converted. The word for repent there, it means change. It means alter your ways. Be affected by your behavior. Let the word of God change what you do and what you think and what you believe. And when it changes, when it alters, when it brings you from a place that I used to do only what I wanted, but now I do what God wants to the best of my ability, not perfectly, but with a great purpose, and he shall send to you the Lord Jesus. This is what your friends and family need. And let me be a little controversial just for a second. They need this more than they need to get in church. They, re they really do. Because we want them to come to church. We want them to come and hear this message. But they need this more than they need to be physically sitting in here somewhere. This is what they need. They need this more than other things. They need this more than any self-help, more than any doctor, more than any therapy, more than anything. They need this. Other things may help and be useful and be good, but if they don't have this foundation, they will be destroyed. Repent 
and be converted and your sins may be blotted out. I am so thankful today that I've had this ability, that the Lord has drawn me to repentance and I've seen my sins blotted out. I've seen the moments that God kept so private and just dealt with me, just him and I, when he could have declared it to the whole world and shamed me before all. But he said, I'm going to be gentle with you, my boy. And I will deal with you. Learn the easy lesson. Hear it from me now, or I will involve others. <laughs> and that's such a sweet thing, isn't it? Even to the moment of just simple thoughts will come into your mind. And the ability to go, nope, that's not, that's not the Lord. It's not right. Let's move on. Even that is this verse being acted out. That's a sin. That didn't even get in to be blotted out. It think, bounced off the force field of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Repent and be converted. Let's look at one more text before we go back to Haggai. 1 Peter chapter 5. One more text before Haggai. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. This is now the message to us believers that we must do as we wait for this glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we are building on the temple of God's house, the one that God has placed in our hearts, not our own. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walks about, he's seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Verse 10, but the God of all grace who has called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you to Him. Be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. You will suffer for just a little while. The enemies of the world have come against your temple. They have surrounded you. They are besieging you. And your only hope of triumph, your only hope of escape, your only hope of victory is to look up for the great rescue that will only come from above you. This is the only place to look. If you keep on looking straight ahead in battle, you will eventually wear. If you look down in cowardice, you will eventually be killed. But if you keep your eyes up upon the Lord, you will stay in strength because you will stay in the hope of His appearing. You suffer for just a little while, but the God of all grace, He will establish you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you. That's one of the sweetest things, isn't it? The settling of the Spirit. When God brings the gentle peace upon you. It's the difference almost between a light rain that you would almost want to stand in and just feel the cool water. Versus the hurricane which swirls and threatens to hurt you. Often we feel like we're in the hurricane. But a time of peace is coming. And I don't know, Christian, I don't know if you will suffer until the day you die. Somehow. I don't know if you will have just peaceful days until the day you die. I don't know. What I do know and can promise you out of God's word is this, is that repentance and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, there will come a time of peace in the kingdom of God. And He will restore you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you because you will sit before His presence and you will worship Him for all eternity. Let's turn back to Haggai and we're going to finish up there.
as we think about verse 13 and we think about what it means for the Lord to be with us, I hope that we have seen that the temple physically is no more, the temple spiritually is inside your heart. And that to work upon this temple is the spiritual message to Haggai. See, Haggai was prophetically speaking to those people in his day, you must build the Lord's temple back. The same temple that the Romans destroyed. Nothing physically lasts. Nothing built on earth will last. But the spiritual message for you and I is this. Verse 13, Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message. I love that, don't you? The Lord's messenger in the Lord's message. (laughs) That's how we should be. The Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Then the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, the governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. They came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the fourth month and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. When the voice of God is truly preached, it converts hearts. When the voice of God is truly spoken, it changes behavior. When the voice of God is truly declared in the community, the community is affected. And they may reject in their affection or or they will embrace this message. They will embrace the hope of the Lord Jesus. They will embrace being changed by the word of God. But look at verse 13 one more time. I am I don't know today what the struggle is for you. I don't know what the hurt is, what the pain is, what the danger is, what the disturbance of your peace is. I don't know. Some of you may tell me, and maybe I know some already. But I do know this. If you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus, if you have repented and believed in the Messiah, then this verse is true for you today. See, we have to be careful sometimes applying Old Testament text, saying, oh, this is, for, this is just for you. You know, we have to understand the context clearly. But I think we've done that this morning. That you don't have to go build a physical temple somewhere. But what you have is a temple in your heart that needs work. And what is that work? Is the worship of God. See, God didn't give you a hammer. He didn't give you nails. He didn't give you a saw. He didn't say, oh, you've got to build even now. You've got to do something. What did God say to you? Worship. Worship. Honor me. Praise me. Glorify me. And I will build my kingdom. And he will. He truly will. Christian, I don't know what troubles you today, but I know where the help comes from. I am with you, says the Lord. Is there anything better than having God's promise that he Christian, he's with you today. And as I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing this last song, when we all get to heaven, please enjoy the hope that he is with you. Let's pray.